Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number, 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and I welcome you today to the show as we're going to talk about my Declaration of Self-Esteem by Virginia Satir and also give you an idea of um, the legacy that she left uh, behind in her work, her signature work that is still being um, uh, practiced and uh, people are carrying on with her her approach to therapy, family therapy, and her approach to really finding the way that we can bring living spirit, our life force energy, into the work that we're doing. That's um, the work we're doing in terms of therapy, but also in terms of how we live our lives. And, and that's really what, what she's all about. So uh, before we uh, get into that, if you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at www dot leahbrendasmith.com and if you're looking for me on Facebook you can check out the radio show page at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or my personal uh, Facebook is leahbrendasmith.com so just as a beginning you know I first became aware of Virginia Satir almost a decade ago and um, a friend arrived one day at my house with a, with a gift for me and as I slowly unrolled the poster, I, I, I was surprised and delighted to see that it was a copy, actually, of Satir's poem on self-esteem. And my friend really related to the sentiment really expressed in the poem, and then really keeping in alignment with her, her own life theme is really about passing along knowledge to her women friends and supporting strong women networks. And she thought that I, too, would appreciate the great wisdom behind the poem, which I certainly do. And, you know, for, for many, the inspiration that's contained in the poem has provided guidelines, or if you like, or signposts along the way, along their path, you know, their, people's individual journey. And last week, as I was musing about the topic, you know, what to do for this week's show, 
I found myself actually standing in front of the poster, which is hanging on the inside of uh, the front door of my apartment. And, you know, through through the inspiration to do the show on this topic, I, I was delving into her life work, and I was struck by Satir's philosophy and her approach, really, to transformational change and to healing and to therapy. And it occurred to me, and this, you know, really without conscious deliberation, I realized that in many ways I was following um, a, a similar approach, you know, following the same kinds of principles, actually, if you like, that became part of, um, you know, Virginia Satir was really, if you like, an insightful mentor and a very genuine person, and in some ways, perhaps perhaps ahead of her time, yet in other ways, um, really, what a great time for her to come along and set down the foundation for uh, some what uh, it was what some might refer to as more unconventional approaches to um, to therapy, and Satir said that I believe the greatest gift I can conceive of having from anyone is to be seen, heard, understood, and touched by them. The greatest gift I can give is to see, hear, understand, and touch another person. When this is done, I feel contact has been made. That's just a little glimpse into into what she was all about. Satir was a, a prominent influence, really, in the development of family therapy. And her ideas about what establishes a healthy family, healthy family unit, healthy family life, really evolve around a sense of open reciprocal sharing in the areas of affection, communication, feelings, and love. And for other people, they may not know her uh, work in terms of family therapy, but others are familiar with her poem, which begins with the phrase, I am me. And she's entitled this reflective piece of art and, and life, really. It's a piece of art, and it is a piece of life, my declaration of self-esteem. You know, uh, Satir really believed that caring and acceptance are essential ingredients when helping individuals to face their fears, to open up to themselves, and to be open to others. She was very genuine with her warmth and her care. And she, she seemed to possess an innate ability to, to, if you like, weave feelings and compassion into the therapeutic relationship. And, you know, 25 years after her passing, Satir's life work and influence continues to stand out as a powerful voice in really support of the importance of this love and nurturing as essential elements in, the, in healing and in therapy. 
and her vision continues through the work of the Virginia Satir Global Network and other individuals and groups throughout the world that are also carrying on with the work that she began. So that seemed to be a great passion of hers to support um, anyone really that she came into contact with to to really increase their level of comfort and joy, to increase this by embracing their own individuality. She was a curious child, and she taught herself to read by age three, and by age nine had read all of the books in the library of her small one-room school. When she was five, she decided that she would grow up to be a children's detective on parents. And then she later explained that I didn't quite know what I would look for, but I realized a lot went on in families that didn't meet the eye. So what a curious young child she was. You know, she says that feelings of worth can flourish only in an atmosphere where individual differences are appreciated, where mistakes are tolerated, where communication is open, and where rules are flexible. The kind of atmosphere that's found in a nurturing family. So it was clear right from the beginning that she was destined to have a great impact on on families and family life and family therapy. Here's a little um, excerpt from her book, The New People Making. And it just it helps to give us kind of a context for her early beginnings and how she came to piece together her approach to living. She says, My personal ideas and understanding of spirituality began with my own experience as a child growing up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. Everywhere I saw growing things. And very early I understood that growth was life force revealing itself, a manifestation of spirit. And it is in the realization that we are spiritual beings in human form This is the essence of spirituality. The challenge of becoming more fully human is to be open to and to contact that power that we call by many names, God being one frequently used. I believe that successful living depends on our making and accepting a relationship to our life force. So that's a really good beginning, a really good sense of what she was really, what she was really about. And that sense of the connecting with the life force energy, that everything is growth and change from that perspective, that we're spirit beings in human form. So that's Virginia Satir in, in, in a capsule, if you like. And the Declaration of Self-Esteem is, is written like a poem. And it, um, it's bold and it's beautiful and it, uh, 
it is filled with um, uh, with great wisdom and great opportunity actually for anybody, no matter where you are currently in your own experience of your own relationship with yourself and your own sense of your own self-esteem, to really um, uh, feel uh, buoyed, if you like, buoyed up by what it is that she's set out in front of us here. And um, it's called My Declaration of Self-Esteem. I am me. In all the world, there was no one else exactly like me. There are persons who have some parts like me, but no one adds up exactly like me. Therefore, everything that comes out of me is authentically mine, because I alone choose it. I own everything about me, my body, including everything it does, my mind, including all my thoughts and ideas, my eyes, including the images of all they behold, my feelings, whatever they might be in anger, joy, frustration, love, disappointment, excitement. My mouth and all the words that come out of it, polite, sweet or rough, correct or incorrect, my voice, loud or soft, and all my actions, whether they be to others or myself. I own my own fantasies, my dreams, my hopes, my fears. I own all my triumphs and successes, all my failures and mistakes. Because I own all of me, I can become intimately acquainted with me. By so doing, I can love me and be friendly with me in all my parts. I can then make it possible for all of me to work in my best interests. I know there are aspects about myself that puzzle me, and other aspects that I do not know. But as long as I am friendly and loving to myself, I can courageously and hopefully look for the solutions to the puzzles and for ways to find out more about me. However I look and sound, whatever I say 
and do. And whatever I think and feel at any given moment in time is me. This is authentic and represents where I am at that moment in time. When I review later how I looked and sounded, what I said and did, and how I thought and felt, some parts may turn out to be unfitting. I can discard that which is unfitting and keep that which proved fitting and invent something new for that which I discarded. I can see, hear, feel, think, say, and do. I have the tools to survive, to be close to others, to be productive, to make sense and order out of the world of people and things outside of me. I own me, and therefore I can engineer me. I am me, and I am okay. And that is Virginia Satir's declaration of self-esteem. And it's, it's packed with so much. There's so much insight and inspiration in it that... It's something that you could listen to actually again and again and just go deeply inside of yourself and, and let the words part your way, actually part the, part, part the things in yourself that maybe are tight or taunt or holding on or unsure or feeling afraid or frustrated. And underneath all of that, is where your true essence is, where your true sense of self is, which is really that true self that is your place of your own self-esteem. I like the line where she says, but as long as I am friendly and loving to myself, I can courageously and hopefully look for the solutions to the puzzles and for ways to find out more about me. I feel encouraged by that. I guess more recently for myself, I've been, I've been I guess, um, in this kind of flow of maybe recognizing, you know, as we mature and grow and things change within us, uh, we let go of uh, some things that were important from the past or things that had great meaning in earlier times for us. These can be activities, people, places, it can be ways of being, it can be thoughts, feelings, the way you dress, the things you do, the foods you eat, it could be anything. And um, 
sometimes in that place in between, there is sometimes a, a corridor, if you like, in between where we're not quite in the flow of, if you like, recreating or creating ourselves newly. And yet we are clear about having let go of some things. And, and sometimes that space in between can be a little awkward. I guess I've been finding myself more in that place um, uh, a little bit lately. And so I feel very encouraged by this declaration of self-esteem. And I really, you know, I really encourage all of us to give some thought to that and, and look at what is it for you? You know, often you hear me saying that, let's take stock, let's look, let's be reflective and find what do we need for ourselves. Maybe there, maybe you can relate to what I'm saying from a place of feeling like uh, you're sort of going around with old, old things that you could be letting go of, uh, whether they're physical things, emotional, mental things, and points of view, uh, whatever it is and um, make way for the new, even though it may not be defined yet, even though you may not see what's around the next corner or what's on the horizon. And, um, and sometimes people are so excited to let go of things because they know what's next. They've made decisions and they're ready to go and move forward. But I found these... Um, uh, affirmations, actually, uh, from Virginia Satir. These, they're affirmations on self-esteem, and I'm going to read these to you. And and um, we listen and see. You may be able to relate, and they're perfect for you, or you may find that it kind of inspires um, other ones, or has you think of things that would be more pertinent for you. I do not have to feel guilty just because someone else does not like what I do, say, think, or feel. It's okay for me to feel angry and to express it in responsible ways. I do not have to assume full responsibility for making decisions particularly where others share responsibility for making the decision. I have the right to say I don't know. I have the right to say no without feeling guilty. I have the right to say I don't understand without feeling stupid. I do not have to apologize or give reasons when I say no. I have the right to ask others to do things for me. I have the right to refuse requests which others make of me. I have the right to tell others when I think they are manipulating, conning, or treating me unfairly. I have the right to refuse additional responsibilities without feeling guilty.
I have the right to tell others when their behavior annoys me. I do not have to compromise my personal integrity. I have the right to make mistakes and to be responsible for them. I have the right to be wrong. I do not have to be liked, admired, or respected by everyone for everything I do. So those are the affirmations, self-esteem affirmations from Virginia Satir. And um, I'm assuming that will help you uh, get going in the right direction to either go, aha, yeah, that would be great to adopt some of those or to, to make up the ones that you need for yourself. And I encourage you, you know, when you have some time, when you're musing, when you're driving in the car, when you have some quiet moments to yourself, to to really think about this declaration of self-esteem and the affirmations for self-esteem. And, and maybe you'll even feel um, compelled to create your own declaration that matches you. It might look somewhat like the one I read to you, and it might not at all. But I offer that up to you. It's a, it's a great inspiration from, from this brilliant lady, Virginia Satir. And something that is, um, is timeless, really, something that we can use at, at any time in our lives, something that's so potent and important for us. You know, our pursuit of that is, is not stagnant. It's, it's something that we're always, in every moment, that opportunity to make that deep connection with the self. You know, and I have a compilation here, really, of... Um, they're really, you can think of them as guiding principles that Satir put into practice in both her professional and her personal life that will give you more of a sense of really her, her, her work and what she was really about and the opportunities that she was really trying to pave the way um, uh, under the umbrella of family therapy, uh, but also really guidelines just for living ways and approaches you can extrapolate some of this and see that it's just really good, um, good sound. Uh, you could call it a device, you could call it coaching, um, tips for really healthy living and a way to really come into contact with where it is that you make that contact in yourself with your own sense of life energy and to let that be at the core of who we are and what moves us forward. So she says that human beings are all unique manifestations of the same universal life force. And through this universal life energy, we can connect in a positive, accepting, and loving way. Human processes are universal. All human beings experience themselves through doing, thinking, feeling, 
expecting, yearning, and spiritual connection. Therefore, these human processes can be assessed and changed regardless of different environments or cultures or circumstances. People are basically good. At their core, essential level of life energy, people are naturally positive. They need to find this internal treasure to connect with and validate their own self-worth. People all have the internal resources that they need in order to cope successfully with whatever situations life provides and then to grow through them. All necessary internal resources reside within. Even those that people may have learned to judge in a negative way or those that are yet undiscovered. The problem is not the problem. How people cope with the problem is the problem. How seriously the person experiences the problem through the meanings they make, their worries and their copings, impacts on how great a problem it becomes for them. The symptom is the subconscious solution to the problem. Even if it creates dysfunctional patterns, it is the result of the person's attempt to survive the pain of their problem. Although the person's perceived problem needs to be heard and validated, therapeutic change needs to work on wholesome solutions from the person's life energy and yearnings. Therapy needs to focus on health and possibilities instead of problems and pathology. Life energy is naturally positively directional and therapy needs to tap into the natural process of human growth in a positive direction. I like this one, change is always possible. Even if external change is limited, internal change is always possible. We can learn to be consciously responsible for and decide how we will live on our insides, even when the outside cannot change. We cannot change past events. We can only change the impact that the past events have had on us. It is possible to resolve impacts from the past in order to live with more positive energy 
and be free of old hurts, angers, fears, and negative messages in the present. People do the best they can at any moment in time. Even when they've done very negative or destructive things, it is the best coping that they were capable of at that moment in time and is a reflection of their level of self-worth. Therefore, there is no reason to blame them for their past failures. Helping them experience their positively directional life energy will help them make new choices for the present and future. Feelings belong to us. We all have them and can learn to be in charge of them. We can be responsible for them and make choices about them. We can listen to the positive life message from our feelings and give ourselves the validation we need. We can choose to let go of feelings that create negative energies and events and replace them with acceptance, appreciation, forgiveness, love, and peace. Wholeness, growth, and evolution are natural human processes and therefore need to be the focus of any therapeutic change. Transformational change comes from the level of life energy and is a part of natural human growth and evolution. It means that people are becoming more of their true spiritual selves rather than their reactive survival systems. The therapist's use of self is the greatest therapeutic tool that the therapist has to create the conditions to facilitate positive directional transformational change. Therapists who experience their own positive directional life energy are able to provide clients with therapeutic relationships that are based on care, acceptance, and new possibilities. The therapist often experiences the positive nature of the client's life energy even before the client does, and connects with the client at that level. It's such a common, common approach in the therapeutic process that the, the therapist is holding the context or holding the space, holding the healing energy for, for the client to be able to step into. And then hope is a significant component or ingredient for change to take place. When the therapist experiences the positive nature of the client's true self, then hope becomes a tangible aspect of the therapeutic process and it can guide the way towards change.
So that gives you a feel for really what she was all about. And as I mentioned before, I, I read those guidelines that really it's all a part of living and all a part of acceptance and all a part of really putting your true self in the center, making contact at the core of yourself for change, for transformation. And you know, Satir's beliefs went against the more scientific approach to family therapy that was accepted really in her time. And eventually she shifted her focus away from the field to travel and lecture. Satir died in 1988 after suffering from pancreatic cancer. And at that time she was in the midst of writing a new book. And I just wanted to share with you some of the notes from unedited pages of that last book that's titled Third Birth, Becoming Your Own Decision Maker. I have been traveling the world now for about 40 years. The time has given me the possibility of being in contact with about 30,000 people from different walks of life. Many of these people came because they wanted help with their problems in living or because they wanted to learn how to better help the people who had these problems. I have often heard, Virginia, you have helped me to find so many good things for myself. Won't you write down how you made that happen? I have now heard it so often that I no longer feel that I can continue to ignore the request. I feel a deep humility for the expression of appreciation. I also felt tremendously awed by the immensity of such a task. Memory flooded me for hours and hours during days and nights that I had spent with people, preparing them for the many little steps they had to make in order to take the risks that would result in the change they wanted. I remembered the carefulness and the patience with which I needed to proceed. So while they were facing the pain and uncertainty that often goes along with making change, there would be no injury to their self-esteem along the way. Hmm. She says, what lingers from the parent's individual past, unresolved or incomplete, often becomes part of his or her irrational parenting. So a great encouragement, really, for us to find ways to resolve whatever is there or whatever is incomplete from our own path, from our own past, so that we can be more effective in the parenting process, in the grandparenting process, or even in the process of exchanging with people, whether you're a parent or not. And uh, Dr. John Bayman and um, his wife Kathleen 
Mackie Bainman, they they summed up, they made a nice summary of some of uh, the ideas or the of Virginia's work. And the first is really a description of her theoretical framework. And Satir believed that all people are equipped with the capacity for growth, transformation, and continuing education. And she focused her technique on finding the inner self. So not only does this method combine both interactive and intra-psychic elements of modern therapy, but it also strives to create change at the core of one's being. And that's part of her, her signature work there, is the focus on the core of the being. And then a little description of her um, model and method of self-actualization and connection to higher wisdom. And this method strives to assist people in achieving maximum human development by encouraging their spiritual center to express itself more positively with more energy and vitality. So people are able to facilitate transformation in their sense of being, and that liberates them from inhibitions and then brings them to a place of full understanding. The Satir method works with the client to allow them to live in the present with a newly found sense of courage and awareness. And this process really begins when a person can find their own true self. Now, in Satir's method, people are taught how to connect to that higher wisdom, to learn how to identify their own belief structures, their coping mechanisms, their judgments, their emotions, and their expectations. And then once they have discovered these elements of themselves, then they're given the freedom to choose how they want to design their internal construct and then determine which elements of themselves they want to transform. And this will automatically provide them with a more positive environment to live in. So really, given that relationships are the cornerstone of fulfillment, Satir's method is an effective tool for helping people to achieve balanced and healthy relationships through healthy self-actualization. So really, again, the base, the essence of what she's doing is about helping people to really make contact within themselves, to make contact with, with their true self, if you like, with their true wise self. She said that um, every word, facial expression, gesture, or action on the part of a parent 
gives the child some message about self-worth. It's sad that so many parents don't realize what messages they are sending. It's a good thing for us to think about from time to time. Think about that, that really the people around you, not just the children, I guess, but it has more impact on the children than it does on the adults in many ways because they're just forming their their ideas of the world and their ideas of life and their ideas of human interaction. You know, so many people are still trying to find their way, sifting their way through what it is that they felt and what it is they experienced, what it is they witnessed, what it is they saw, what it is they heard in their home environments, from their parents, in their school environments, from their teachers. And trying to, we're not always aware, people don't always put that consciousness into realizing the impact that we have on these young impressionable minds and hearts and souls. And we have an opportunity as adults to have an effect on what, what is bred, if you like, from the energy and the example, what is bred into the children. They are the future generation. They are the agents of change for what comes next after the contribution that the adults of this generation are making. So I encourage both the recognition to recognize the impact that we have on children and then also recognize the opportunity that is available, that change is always possible. Even when the circumstances on the outside seem like there's not much wiggle room or opportunity to really make change or affect change or perhaps even just make change or affect change immediately. There is always that total freedom on the inside. And although we don't always feel totally free, I certainly know that. Anybody that's alive, anyone that's living and breathing, (laughs) knows that even though we are free, um, we don't always feel that way. And sometimes the lack of freedom just comes from our own attitudes, our thoughts, our feelings, our reflections on things that were said or things that were done. And that even though we do have these times where we can feel inundated with what is referred to often as more that critical mind, that programmed conditioned mind, that smaller self or the survival self if you like. That critical mind is conditioned from the survival self. That even though that is a part of our internal reality, that there are other things beneath the surface of that. 
I'm amazed often, you know, um, when I go through my own cycles of feeling, whether it's frustration or whether it's a sense of a lack of connection with things or whatever it is that, you know, the full spectrum of human emotion, which we, we all get to from time to time, that oftentimes, like what Virginia Satir is saying in terms of people needing to have that opportunity to be heard, people having the opportunity to be validated by being listened to and sharing whatever it is that is going on on the inside, that sometimes that's the perfect doorway to the freedom. And um, even though we may understand that in terms of theory, when you're in the practice of it and you actually experience it, it can be quite moving and a tremendous sense of relief. When you declare and tell the truth about something that's going on, And once that happens, it seems to open the doorway into other other things, other gems, if you like, other realities of things that may may be trying to get your attention under the surface. As Satira is saying, that opportunity to really learn new things about yourself, find out, be in an investigation and find out the truth of, of who you really are underneath that survival self. We all have that, that precious being, that precious part of ourself in our core that is that life energy, that is that gift from creation. And there is opportunities all the time. The way that life is reflected to us, the way that things can move us in nature, the way that children and animals can bring our more light-hearted selves to the forefront. Hmm. Now, as we take a, a, a final look at some of the signature work of Virginia Satir, I have some more um, unedited notes from uh, her book, Third Birth. I have chosen this title to focus attention on probably what has been taken for granted. Like all other things, taken for granted. Attention is not focused on them, and their usefulness fades. Like people take good behavior for granted, and then focus attention on bad behavior, which then gets recognition that is out of proportion. And people soon forget that there is good behavior and believe there is only bad behavior. And isn't that actually what happens with us, even on an individual level and within yourself, where you may highlight 
you know, uh, a couple things, actions, something that you said, something that you did that was not really your best behavior, so to speak, and how within our own mind we can totally take for granted all of the other ways that we act and interact and things we say and that we do that is more exemplary. And we tend to give recognition or make things that are less than favorable. We take them out of proportion. And it clouds and distorts our view of reality and our perception of ourselves. And even our perception of how other people may be acting or reacting towards us. So Satir goes on, she says, So it is with this title. The first birth comes when an ovum and sperm find each other and unite. The second birth is when we come out of the womb. Probably one of the most startling changes we will ever undergo. Coming from a place where it's dark, where there are no sounds of the internal organs working, where the temperature is even, and where the context is water, to a place where there is light and sounds are completely different. The temperature is most uneven, and the water is found only in the bath once a day. The third birth is when we become our own decision makers. Some people call this being mature. It occurs when we take charge of our life, stand on our own feet. Taking charge of this process of developing our uniqueness and becoming a responsible and responsive human among our other human beings on this planet. It is a vital stage of growth. Everyone who has lived has made the first two births, but relatively few have made the third. Hmm. Great wisdom from a, from a great lady that left a great legacy for us. It has been a real pleasure for me to share uh, the declaration of self-esteem and other aspects of Virginia Satir's work. I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 